0: Thanks so much for tuning in. We here at Sandberg Student Services Leadership Team strive to help students plan for life after high school, and we hope that this podcast can be a tool for evaluating your post-secondary options and opportunities. We hope you enjoy.
1: Hey guys, welcome to our uh, fourth podcast. We are here with Miss um, Mandy Hart from Amherst College. Um, th- th- thank you for coming.
2: Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. It's
1: me, Sean Harron podcast host, along with Julia Canalis. Um, so to start off, Julia, would you like to start?
2: It? Sure. So. Um,
0: could you explain to us your role that you play in the Amherst community?
2: Yeah, so my, um, my official title is um, Associate Dean of Admission and Coordinator for Diversity Outreach. And what we do in admission at Amherst is um, much more selection-oriented. I think a lot of admission um, offices are really focused on recruitment and marketing. Um, At Amherst, we're we're a highly selective institution. So we do a lot of of work in December, January, February, and March trying to select the students that are going to be offered admission. Um, I also mentioned that I'm the coordinator for diversity outreach. So I make sure that um, the students that we're recruiting are really um, going to reflect the diversity of our student body at Amherst College.
1: Awesome. Um, what makes Amherst stand out from other universities?
2: Um, well, a couple of things. <laughs> um, at At Amherst, we are a college, so a college means that we only offer one degree type, and at Amherst, it's a bachelor's degree. So um, we're different than a university in the sense that there are no students that are seeking master's degrees or PhDs or associate's degrees. Everyone that's there is seeking a bachelor's degree. Um, But we're different from other colleges, um, first and foremost, because of our curriculum. Um, We have what's called an open curriculum, which means that we don't have any general education requirements for graduation. So at Amherst, um, students take 32 total classes and they complete at least one major and outside of that they decide what they want to do with their curriculum. They say here's the classes that I want to take and we say yep Sounds good, that's cool, have fun. Um, We're also different, I mentioned the diversity of our student body. Amherst um, is one of the most diverse liberal arts colleges in the US. Um, We also um, fulfill 100% of students demonstrated financial need without using any loans in the package for every single student that's on campus, regardless of um, their citizenship, regardless of how they applied, whether it was early decision or if they were admitted off the wait list, whether they transferred. None of that matters. Um, we, we fulfill all of uh, students' demonstrated need. Um, and the only other schools that do that are Harvard, Yale, and Princeton. Um, last thing that makes us a little different is that we're part of a consortium of colleges. Um, and so you can take classes at other college campuses in our immediate area. Um, I didn't mention where we're located. We are in Western Massachusetts, so um, in the mountains of, of Massachusetts.
0: So I know that you mentioned that you are a highly selective school. Are there any distinctive features of a student's application that you look for or would like to see?
2: Yeah, so I I think about the admission process in a couple of ways. I've, I've actually worked at um, at three other institutions. I've been doing admission for 11 years and I've been at Amherst for five years and I've worked at lots of other kinds of institutions with varying selectivity. I've worked at a large public university in Ohio and I actually conceptualize the admission, the admission process as working in the same ways, um, even though we have different outcomes, because every school is trying to achieve two goals. Um, we're trying to make sure that students uh, have the potential to be successful in our classrooms, and obviously our classrooms look different from each other, um, and we're also trying to determine how the student is going to enhance the community that we have. Um, so. I think of those two things as being fundamental to the admission process, no matter where you're applying. Um, It's just that those... If you think of them in, in the way that I do, they're they're like if you're uh, running a, a hurdles race and you have to get over these two hurdles, the hurdles look a little different from school to school because again our classrooms are different. They're um, perhaps um, like at Amherst College very discussion oriented, so we want to see you know how might have you contributed to discussions in the classroom up to this point, point. Um, and you may have a very competitive applicant pool like we do at Amherst. So getting over that academic hurdle is not necessarily the hard part for our applicants. It's actually more about figuring out how students are contributing to the community in a positive way that actually distinguishes um, the applicant pool from each other. But whenever you're thinking about applying to college, all these colleges are really trying to do those two assessments.
1: Um, if we may ask, uh, what is your most recently reported admissions
2: rate? This past cycle we admitted 10.8% of the stu- 10.8% of the students that um, applied for admission.
0: So in the application process, do incoming students apply to like specific schools within Amherst or the university as a whole?
2: Yeah, so as a liberal arts college, we don't admit students into a specific major. Um, so we admit students to the college. And actually the really interesting thing about that is that we actually have to be pretty sure that a student can be successful in any of our majors because you can do anything when you come to a liberal arts college. Um, So I'll give you the example that at Amherst College, the lowest level of math that we offer is calculus. And so even if you are only interested in the humanities and maybe the social sciences where there isn't a math um, component to the major, and as I mentioned before, we have an open curriculum with no general education requirements, we still need to make sure that you've gone through at least pre-calculus, just in case when you get to Amherst, you say, you know what? I want to take a math class. We know that you have the foundation there, um, but we're not admitting students into any specific major at all.
1: Um, and we know you briefly touched on the financial aid, but could you maybe walk us through the structure of your system? Like is it need-based, merit-based, or need-blind?
2: Yeah, definitely. So with such a low um, acceptance rate, we we believe that the merit that you demonstrate is the ability to be admitted. So um, we don't have merit-based scholarships. Um, all of our financial aid that we give is need-based financial aid. And what we do is we take um, the FAFSA and the CSS profile, which are two very lengthy and challenging documents, um, and we calculate your expected family contribution or your EFC, and. Um The long and short of it, I could kind of go through the process and how it works, um, but basically your expected family contribution is all that we expect students to pay to attend Amherst, and that includes transportation to and from home. So if you're flying from Chicago to Western Massachusetts, that's going to cost you money. We put that into the financial aid packaging. We put the cost of books into the financial aid packaging. We put a $2,200 personal expense stipend into the financial aid budget, which is designed to cover literally like pizza, shampoo, Soap, like extra long twin sheets, um, stuff that are just incurred expenses of going away to college. So we put that into your financial aid budget, and that's what your expected family contribution is compared to. Um, and again, I think the simplest way to describe it is to say that your expected family contribution is all that you pay to attend Amherst College.
0: So transitioning.
2: Oops, sorry,
0: sorry. So transitioning over um, onto academics. How do you think being a liberal arts school benefits students today?
2: That's a really good question. And I think that there's a lot of national debate around, like, what are liberal arts colleges doing for America? Um, and there is there is a longitudinal study that was done um, about 10 years ago, if you're really, like trying to geek out about this stuff, which I am. Um, But there's a a study called Project Leap, which is called um, Liberal Education and America's Promise that was conducted by the Association of American Colleges and Universities to talk about, well, why is liberal arts education important um, for where we are as a country today? Um, But I think that it, for me, I will tell you again, I worked at lots of other schools, and I went to a liberal arts college, and I got my master's studying higher education in the United States, and I was um, actually a researcher on that LEAP project, and I really didn't understand what liberal arts was until my second job out of graduate school. So it's a nebulous concept, and I think for me the best way to understand it is to think about what is the purpose of a bachelor's degree. Well, the purpose is that you're gonna have a skill set that you study, so you have to have a major when you go to college, so you have a skill area. But there's also a secondary major of getting a bachelor's degree, and that's to create a launch pad for long-term success. And what liberal arts colleges do is we say, there are certain competencies that are critical for that long-term success. Um, Things like the ability to communicate, um, both in writing and verbally, the ability to collaborate with people who Both are similar to you, but also different from you. Um, The ability to ask really big, important questions and to figure out solutions to big, important problems. And what liberal arts colleges do is they elevate those outcomes so that they're just as important as the skills that you're getting through your major. So to me, the question is actually better, why don't more people care about what liberal arts is doing for the US? Um, this is about creating um, our future leaders and, and really promoting those competencies just as much as the skill sets that you get.
1: Um, what are your most popular majors?
2: So liberal arts colleges are a little different in that, um, Again, because we admit students not to specific programs, we actually see a really wide distribution across the majors. Um, Amherst is in a unique position, too, being a highly selective liberal arts college, where we have really renowned faculty members in all of our academic departments um, that, in many cases, have the opportunity to um, be faculty at Ivy League institutions, um, or Research One institutions, but they choose to come to a liberal arts college like Amherst because they want to work with undergraduate students. Um, they want they want to have undergraduate students as their research assistants. And um, so at Amherst, there isn't that one major that's like, oh, this is the academic department that we're most well known for. Um, we have some really unique programs like a, a major called Law, Jurisprudence, and Social Thought, uh, which is a very um, interesting major that many other campuses don't have. By the numbers, economics is the most popular major. But we also see that about three quarters of students that do an economics major actually have another major also. So it's a very popular double major. Um, If you were to combine biology, chemistry, and biochemistry, biophysics, um, those three majors combined would by far be the most popular major if they were one. Um, But we, again, see this very wide distribution across majors.
0: So I know you touched on it a little, but what is your policy on double majoring?
2: Yeah, so being an institution that has an open curriculum where there's no general education requirements, it's actually incredibly accessible to double major. So um, just under half of the graduates last year um, had a, a double major at Amherst. So if you think about it just mathematically, if you have to take 32 classes before you graduate, the national average for majors is somewhere between 8 and 12 classes. Um, so let's just say, hypothetically, you want to major in two disciplines that have no overlap at all. Um, I'll take a, an example of some someone who is an Amherst College grad who works in the admission office. Um, he was a physics and philosophy major at Amherst. They don't overlap at all. There's no overlap between physics and philosophy. Um, the physics major is um, 12 classes, and the philosophy major is Uh, 10 classes. So that's 22 classes that are going to be major um, classes, earmarked as major requirements. That still leaves 10 classes left in your curriculum or two and a half semesters where you just take whatever you want. Um, So it's very easy for students to double major at Amherst and so it's very popular.
1: Um, Is studying abroad an option and if so, what are your most popular destination programs?
2: Yeah, so we have 175 partner programs. Again, about half of the students at Amherst um, will study abroad. Again, because it's so accessible curricularly, you have so much flexibility in the curriculum. And then also because of financial reasons, it will never cost you more to be abroad than it would cost you to be at Amherst, including again, the airfare to and from your location. And we also put in a personal travel stipend into that financial aid budget so that you can travel around if you're in in a location that you've never been before.
0: That sounds awesome. So to what extent are internships incorporated into a major's fulfillment requirements?
2: So they're never going to be required for students, but many students will do an internship. Um, we are on a semester schedule, so um, we offer classes in the fall and spring semesters. We do not offer classes over the summer or any other time of year. And so we expect that the summertime is the time of year that students will do An internship and they work with our um, Loeb Center for Career Exploration and Planning to get hooked up with an internship. We have a process where um, we will actually pay students to have unpaid internships um, if that's uh, something that will help them with their long-term goals. Um, And again, it's never going to be part of the systematic requirements for graduation, but it's something that um, many of our students will do. I have never seen a student graduate from Amherst College who did not either do an internship or do undergraduate research over the summer.
1: Um, What are your average class sizes and uh, student to teacher ratios?
2: Yeah, so our student to faculty ratio is eight to one um, and our classes are generally speaking gonna be 16, 17 students. Even our introductory level classes are really small. Um, You'll see the introductory science classes as the largest classes and those have 60 students in them. Um, And even those classes of 60 will have breakout sessions where they break into groups of 20 um, and have discussions with faculty. So again, achieving those liberal arts outcomes it, do- it doesn't happen on its own. We have to have what we think of as co-construction of knowledge, meaning you bring perspectives with you when you get to college. And those perspectives are important and they're valuable and they don't go away when you sit in a classroom where someone's just talking at you. And so being at Amherst College means that you're bringing those perspectives with you and they matter in the classroom and it's about Integrating your perspective with the perspective of your peers, um, so that discussion orientation is going to be part of all of the academic disciplines that we have.
0: Does Amherst have an honors program?
2: Um, we do not. Um, again, being a highly selective school, uh, a, you know, it's it's it, it is an honors program in a sense.
1: I'm transitioning to a bit more student life, um, what's a Greek life life like on campus?
2: We actually don't have Greek life at Amherst College. Yeah.
0: Um, Do you think that having a smaller school makes it easier for Midwestern students to adapt to the East Coast community?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, I am originally from Florida. Um, I spent six years in Ohio before moving to New England. And I think that New England is a it's different. It's a whole different culture. Um, But I think that Our location actually really helps because of the fact that we're in um, a location that is very um, outdoors oriented Um, really the nicest people in new england live in the what we call it the happy valley uh, which is where amherst is located Um, but i also think that when you choose a place like amherst you're choosing a supportive community and so you know i think whenever you go away to college or you're in a new place there's always going to be a transition and Transitions can be challenging, so it's about thinking about what kind of support structures are in place for you when you have a, a challenge in that transition. And small colleges can really provide a lot of support.
1: What would members of the community say they're most proud of about your school?
2: So I, um, our, our president, her name is Biddy Martin, um, and she's super cool, um, but she said something about Amherst five years ago, that when, right when I arrived in Amherst, that really stuck with me, and I think that it really describes um, the community really well and the reasons that we're proud to be Amherst college students. She said that uh, Amherst is a diverse intellectual community where all three of those words matter. And that really hit home for me because I think that that's something that um, the Amherst student population is really proud of um, the diversity of our student body, the way that that we intellectualize basically everything that can be intellectualized um, when Beyonce, when Beyonce came out with Lemonade, uh, I was with a bunch of students and they were projecting it uh, in the admission office. Uh, we were having a meeting and I saw these students approaching this piece of media from so many different disciplines and perspectives. And I was like, I'm not smart enough to be in this room. So I feel like I need to turn around and leave. Um, and it was just a really cool um, way for me to see, you know, coming to Amherst um, from somewhere else that our students are, are really, you know, super intellectual in ways that applies to every part of their life. Um, And we're a community. I think that um, one of the things that I was also a little bit um, not sure about when I arrived at Amherst was if the student body was going to be really competitive because it is, um, you know, tough to be admitted to Amherst. And we're talking about the top of the top um, in terms of, um, you know, where students have come from. And what I found was a community that really understood that um, that the successes of their peers reflects this their successes better, and um, really a community that lifts each other up. Um, and so, that phrase really you know rings in my head about why students are really proud to be at Amherst. Yeah, so. Uh, I think that again, the transition is um, is is tough. Anytime you you take on a new uh, a new opportunity or a new challenge, there's going to be a transition point, point. and I think that um, it's it's about really understanding that when you get to college, especially if you go away to college, everyone's going through that transition, um, and so it's it's also about having that internal knowledge to know that your transition isn't any easier or harder than other people's and any support that you can give to your peers is important and valuable um so that's that's um definitely something that i wish more first-year students would know thank you so much yeah no problem thanks for having me
1: (laughs) hey guys my name is Hazm zed and i'm the podcast editor for the sslt It would be greatly appreciated if you guys filled out a survey. Let us know how we did and where we can improve. Thank you very much for listening.